Hi folks, this is Michael and welcome to the Blood Walk. And uh, today I want to discuss with you something that I heard a few days ago from a, uh, a particular Jewish rabbi. And the rabbi's name is Tovia Singer. And uh, he is definitely anti-Yahshua. You know, I, I don't recommend you go there if you want to get uh, if you want to get much revelation or anything like that because you're not going to find it. However, he's uh, he, he's massive when it comes to uh, opposing the doctrines of of Saul of Tarsus, and that's really why I turned it over. But I just thought I would listen for a little bit and find out what the man had to say. Uh, you know, give him respect. Anyway, so one of the things that he was saying is that one of the reasons why the Jews reject Yahshua as the Messiah is that they say one of the prime prophecies concerning the Messiah is that he would build the temple. All right. So they're saying Yahshua built no temple, therefore he cannot be the Messiah. However, yes, he did. And uh, all you got to do is go back over into Peter. And he says, uh, you know, we're living stones, uh, you know, and, and we're built into a spiritual temple, a spiritual house, all right? So the house that Yahshua built was not visible or, or, or not, not um, the house that Yahshua built was a spiritual house. It was not a physical house, not a physical temple, but a spiritual temple. And as you know, you are that temple, all right? You are being formed and built into the temple that Yahshua is building, okay? You follow that, all right? So when you understand that, yes, Yahshua did build a temple, he did build a temple, it was his disciples that were the temple. Okay, so once you grab a hold of this, and I know that this is not a stretch for anybody to grab a hold of, but once you understand, yes, Yahshua did build a house, he did build the temple of God, okay? However, what happened just a few years down the road? There was a man that came along, that contradicted everything that Yahshua said. And yet this man, he entered the temple, people. He entered the congregations of the disciples of Yahshua and laid claim that he was the light of salvation, that salvation could be found in nobody else's words except his. And then if you veered away from his words, that you were accursed, cut off, and damned. All right, and that was Paul, and you know it was. So what do you make of this, people? You, it's like Christianity has been waiting 2,000 years for this character to come along who enters into the temple of God and claims that he is God. Folks, this already happened. This already happened 2,000 years ago. Paul invaded he invaded the disciples of Yahshua and he contradicted and changed the message of the Lamb. He threw out the law of God. He threw out the commandments of God. He so weakened the commandments that today it is dang near impossible in Christianity to find anybody who has any respect whatsoever towards the Sabbath. Right? Dang near impossible to find it unless you go to the Seventh-day Adventist. Okay? So you see, it's a lot easier to understand Matthew 24 concerning the, um, the abomination that causes desolation once you have identified the liar. Once you've identified him, right, Saul of Tarsus, then you can see clearly, clearly that this is the man 
that entered into the temple of God and proclaimed his words, his words and his teachings as he exalted them above the teachings of God himself, as he exalted his words above the teachings of Yahshua, the Messiah. He exalted his words infinitely beyond anything that Yahshua ever taught, anything that the apostles of the Lamb ever taught, anything that Moses ever taught, anything that the prophets ever taught. This man exalted his word infinitely above all that had come before him, including, as I say, God himself. And once you are able to see just what Saul of Tarsus is, like I say, Matthew 24 is going to pop off the page and come alive to you. And you are going to see this and you are going to flee. You are going to flee whatever church, whatever congregation you are a member of. If they are following after Paul, you've been given a choice. And when you see it, it's not that difficult. You go, oh my God, right? And it'll shake you up. It's cold water in the face and you will turn around and you will walk out of that church or that congregation that you're a member of if they are exalting Saul of Tarsus above the words and the teachings of Yahshua the Messiah, you have no choice. So as you begin to see Saul of Tarsus as the abomination that causes desolation, all right, once you grab a hold of this, you're going to, again, you are going to see clearly that the message, the parable of the wheat and the tares was a parable of two gospels that opposed each other. One was the gospel, the message of Yahshua, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the message that says, if you forsake the Torah, you forsake your salvation. The message that says, hear ye him. This is the message of the wheat. This is the gospel of the wheat. Now, the gospel of the tares, right? Dueling gospels, a tale of two gospels. One is a gospel of life and one is a gospel of death. And you're going to see this very, very, very clearly that Saul of Tarsus was the author of the tares. His gospel made up the gospel, the message, the teachings of the tares. Right now, today in Christianity, you have a mixed field. As I said in my previous podcast, there are many Christians out there who got the real deal. They got the real deal. They got the real Yahshua. They, they broke. They felt the anointing. They felt his presence when, uh, when he introduced himself to them. And, you know, and, and they broke and they wept at his feet. These folks got the real deal, but unfortunately, but unfortunately, it's like, where does somebody go? They end up going to church. They become a Christian. What happens when you become a Christian? Yahshua is relegated as secondary, and Paul is primary. All of Yahshua's words are subjected to the words of Paul, all right? Uh, and, and if Yahshua doesn't line up with Paul, guess who gets rejected? Yahshua gets rejected. Paul is kept. Yahshua is rejected. Yahshua says, get a hold of this, people. Because, I mean, this is so extraordinary, especially in Christianity. And, and like I say, I have a blog, Exodus to the Kingdom, and I've had several debates with Christians on this. For example, when they hear these words of Yahshua, right? And, and you have to remember that when Yahshua was speaking, this was God himself that was speaking through the mouth of Yahshua. And God himself says, do not think 
that I am come to destroy the Torah or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Now, in Christianity, what happens is you can point this verse out to people. Yahshua himself said, I'm not come to destroy the Torah. I'm not come to put it away. The Torah is not going to be destroyed at the cross. That is not why I'm here. I'm here to fulfill the Torah, right? But what happens in Christianity is they make Yahshua himself contradict himself in the same breath. Oh, you see, he didn't come to put it away or to destroy it. He fulfilled it, and that destroyed it. And it's like, are you out of your ever-loving mind? Are you out of your ever-loving mind? I mean, you know, that, that staggers me when I hear that because it's just like it's a brain glitch in the folks, right? It's like, why can't you hear what he's saying? Why can't you hear that he said, I did not come to abolish the law of God? Why is it Christians cannot hear that? Why is it they can't? Well, I think the answer is pretty obvious. It has to do with idolatry. It has to do with idolatry. I I'll tell you what, folks. You take a look at, at the Sabbath. And why is it, is it so impossible for Christians to grab a hold of this simple commandment, right? Keep the Sabbath on the seventh day. Well, let me tell you what happens, right, when the Sabbath is introduced into your life. All of a sudden, you are going to find out and you are going to have all sorts of reasons rise up inside your inner man as to why you can't do the Sabbath. Gee, I have a job on the Sabbath. If I, if I, if I keep the, the Sabbath on the seventh day, I'll lose my job. Well, guess what? You just found out this is what you consider more important than obedience to the Word of God is your job, right? Is your job. Another reason, gee, everybody wants to party. Saturday is a day of great revelry in America. It's where you go out and you party and you get drunk and you do all sorts of stupid stuff, right? Gee, you might have to give that up if you keep the Sabbath. Well, that also is an idol. Your own pleasures become an idol, right? And this is what happens when you bring the Sabbath up before people who, uh, who are pretty dead set against keeping it. They've got a myriad of reasons why they should not have to, but every single one of those reasons is an idol that is alive and well and, uh, and has invaded their heart. And it's the same thing with every single commandment. Every commandment is going to blast open a whole new room where, uh, unbeknownst to you, and oftentimes people, we don't know, we don't understand what idols we have in our heart until we're confronted with the light of God and all of a sudden you go, oh God, right? We just don't know what we have there. That's why it's so necessary to have the commandments because they light you up on the inside. Do you realize that when John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away, actually he said taketh, continuous present tense, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Do you know, my friend, do you know what the sin of the world is? The sin of the world is idolatry. It's idolatry, okay? The world is not going to keep the first commandment. And the very first commandment, as I say, begins with the name of the Father, I am Yahweh Elohim, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, those gods are not just little statues that you see in a Catholic church. 
or little statues you might see in, uh, you know, in the land of Buddhism or, uh, or Hinduism. It's a whole lot more than that. All of these idols exist in the heart of man. All the reasons, everything you're going to put in front of, simple obedience to his word. Every, every excuse you're going to come up with as to why you do not need to obey his voice and keep his commandment, every single thing that rises up in you is an idol. It is an idol that is apt to destroy your soul because that's what idolatry does. It destroys the soul of man. All right, And it is the commandments of God that restores the soul of man. You know, he restores my soul. How does he do that? Through his commandments, through his Torah, through his instructions, through keeping Passover, uh, unleavened bread, and the rest of the feast. That's how these things are destroyed. I mean, I'll tell you what, people. The church is getting ready to enter into a God-ordained wilderness, and he is going to obliterate. He is going to obliterate in the wilderness every single solitary idol that is in your heart, that is in your soul. He's going to obliterate it or you'll die in the wilderness. You will perish in the wilderness unless you submit to him and allow him to expose these things to you. And he's not exposing it to you so, so he can say, gee, look, 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 what a, look what a jackass you are. That ain't why it's happening. He's exposing these idols because they will kill you if you don't purge them. If you don't get rid of them, they will kill you. This is the mercy and the kindness and the compassion of God that is manifest in his light, in the light of his commandments, in the light of his Torah, in the light of his law. It is to save your life if you will obey him, if you will hearken diligently to his voice and do what is necessary to drive those idols out of your heart. And when you do, guess what replaces that idol? Guess what comes in and occupies that place that that idol had in your heart? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You get so much more of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, it is phenomenal. It is amazing. It is glorious. It is wonderful. And these things really take wings and fly, people. The, the word, your walk, when you have obtained the fear of God in your life, as I said again in a previous podcast, the fear of God is your greatest ally in this walk. Why? Because the fear of God is not going to let you get away with holding on to your idols. You're going to know. You're going to shake. You're going to tremble. You're going to tremble at his word. You're going to tremble at his word because you know his word is life. Okay? And you're going to do it. And you're going to do it joyfully. Sometimes it's hard, especially in the beginning or when you're in the midst of a fiery trial. It's not easy to do his word. Nevertheless, you must, whether it's easy or not. You do it when it's easy and you do it when it's hard. And as you do it in the midst of a fiery trial, that's when you're being transformed. That's when it really transforms you, is when you hearken to his voice in the midst of the fire and you do it. You know, if you look at the parallels between Christianity and, uh, and Old Covenant Israel, and you, 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 need, you need to do a little bit of study on this, but why? Okay, so you have Israel in Egypt, all right? And they're in bondage. They are getting treated like 
you know, like 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 Chinese, you know, factory slaves, right? They're just they're just brutalized. And so what happened to Israel is that after a couple of hundred years, after being in Egypt, and they mixed with the Egyptians, okay, they mixed with them. Um, they learned their ways. They lost the covenant of Abraham. They lost the commandments of God. They lost the Torah. And don't think that Abraham didn't have them. He most certainly did. Genesis 26, 5 will tell you. Isaac is talking here. And Isaac is saying the reason why God chose Abraham is because he knew that Abraham would would teach the Torah. He would teach the law. He would teach the commandments to his household. So yes, Abraham did have the Torah and he had the commandments. However, by the time Israel had been in Egypt for a couple of hundred years, they lost it all, right? And so when they lost it all, they became, in effect, just like the Egyptians, except they were the bloodline of Abraham, all right? And they were brutalized, pretty much like folks are being brutalized in America today, Right, we're we're in a period of time here where we're kind of looking at making bricks with that straw. You know, how do you pay your bills when the government has just taken away your job? How do you do that? It makes it pretty dang impossible, and people are starting to end up out on the street. I mean, you got landlords right now that want to collect their rent, but the people are not allowed to work so they can have money to pay their rent. Well, the landlords don't give a flying rat's ass about that. They're just throwing them out in the street. I mean, it's a very cruel time in America, and things are being exposed that uh, that are sickening, just sickening to the soul of the righteous, right? That things are being exposed in America. Well, all right, Israel was in a similar place 2,000 years ago, or 3,500 years ago, all right? They were in the same place that Christianity is today. Today, Christianity has lost the commandments. They have lost the Torah. They have lost the covenant. They've lost everything except the name of Yahshua, right? And they are, and and it's like, you got to ask yourself if you're a Christian, right? Why is the parallel between Christianity and Israel and Egypt happening today? It's because, Christian, you have not followed, you have not followed his commandments, you've not followed his teachings, you haven't. Most of Christianity is in the place today where, unfortunately, Yahshua is going to have to say to many of these, depart from me, you who forsook the Torah. I do not know you. This is the place where Christianity is today, and the mercy of God is being poured out because he is revealing that his commandments are the same today as they were in the day that he thundered them from the mountain. They haven't changed, and God himself never at any time put away his commandments. Man did. God did not. All right? So what's going to happen to Christianity, and this is the mercy of God, is he is going to take them into the wilderness, and he is going to establish his covenant with them in the wilderness because at this present time, they totally lost it. They have no covenant. But God has mercy on these people because they do desire him. They really do. They hunger and they thirst after him. But they've got this great, big, ginormous wall that separates them from oneness with God. And that big, huge, old, ginormous wall is called Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus has kept you Christians out of the kingdom of heaven since the day you heard his name. He's kept you out. He is the idol. 
He is the idol. He is the idol of the Christians. And it is tragic. But the day is coming when God is going to open the eyes of the blind and they are going to see just exactly what's been going on here for 2,000 years and why Christianity has never at any time obtained the kingdom of heaven. Right? Salvation is not a matter of, gee, if you die today, would you be in heaven or hell? That ain't what it is, people, but that's what they go out and knock on your doors and preach to you. Salvation is supposed to take place, folks, and the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be manifested within you while you have boots on the ground, not while you're a dead, moldy, you know, uh, corpse lying in the ground. Right? Uh, the, the heaven comes now within you. That's where you want it within you but the christians teach that you don't get uh, you don't get salvation until after you're dead all right it's supposed to happen now the fullness is supposed to be happening within us now okay and i think you understand that all right so i'll tell you what i'm going to leave off with this and i'll continue on a little bit more in another podcast but here's the deal one thing i want you to remember if you got nothing out of this except this definition and this clarity. The sin of the world is idolatry. It is the obliteration of the first commandment. And the cross, the cross of Yahshua, the cross that you pick up, people, the cross that you pick up is going to purge you from all idolatry. It's going to purge you from every idol and it's going to purge you from every lie. And then, and then you shall be catapulted into the kingdom of heaven, even as Israel crossed the Jordan and entered the promised land. So the day is coming for you too, when you too are going to cross the Jordan, but you're not going to be occupying physical ground at this time. You're going to be occupying the kingdom of heaven. And it is going to be a phenomenal thing for you. And this is right on the horizon for all of us. So this is Michael. This has been the Blood Walk. And I hope you learned something today. Bye-bye.